I am thrilled that TOG24, the clothing company who have single-handedly kept me and my family cosy and warm this winter, are sponsoring this podcast. They've also given me a discount code for you to spend on yourself or buy a gift for someone you love. My TOG24 coats are the warmest things I own. They weigh nothing, but they're so cosy that my mum actually refers to hers as her sleeping bag. As in, I'm going out, can you pass me my sleeping bag? My husband and I have matching walking boots, which isn't just cute, it means we both have warm toes while we're whizzing around our local nature reserve in zero degree weather. We take their portable pop-up dog bowls with us on trips and long walks, and our pups have a puffer each to ward off the cold. You know that thing where you get so cold you can't hold your phone, you get a bit cranky and you don't warm up for the rest of the day? Well, I don't anymore. The discount code is BRAVE10 and it's valid across their website from now until the end of the year. Make this a cracker of a Christmas with TOG24. Hello and welcome to Brave Little Podcast, the podcast where we talk about those life events and decisions so many of us face that require a healthy dose of courage. I'm your host Jess, you might know me from social media as Human Jess, and I've learned everything I know about courage from my little dog. She's also called Jess, but more commonly known as the Worried Whippet. Managing our money is something lots of us struggle with, and even more of us struggle to talk about. But not talking about it can keep us in the dark or even keep us in debt. Four years ago, my guest today, Ruth Taylor, also known as Money Savvy Mum, was in £21,000 worth of debt. One day she ran out of petrol, stopped at the nearest petrol station, topped up her car with £5 worth of gas, praying the payment would go through, and her card was declined. It was a turning point for her, and for the next eight months she became totally fixated on paying off her debt. She started an Instagram account to keep herself accountable, and is now debt-free and sharing her financial journey with over 60,000 people. Ruth is really compassionate. She talks about guilt and not blaming yourself, balancing paying off her debt with being a good mum to her kids and the pressure to spend around Christmas time. As well as discussing her own story, Ruth has some really sound practical advice in this episode, so do keep listening. First though, I like to start these episodes with something brave my dog Jess has done this week. We're working on building a relationship with a new dog sitter, also called, would you believe it, Jess. With a lot of hard work over the past few weeks, Jess the dog has bypassed the stranger danger stage and let Jess the dog sitter walk her, feed her treats, and has even approached her for a stroke. It's warming my heart and you can never have too many Jesses, am I right? Anyway, back to the episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ruth. She's a force to be reckoned with. Hi Ruth, thank you for coming on. How are you doing? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. Brilliant, you're very welcome. It's so nice to have you here. Um, We're going to chat today about personal finance and debt. And I think out of everyone I'm speaking to, the way that you're speaking about money on the internet is one of the bravest things that I've seen. Money is a taboo, isn't it? We all struggle to talk about it, especially as women, I think. Absolutely. And I think that's what keeps so many people in debt for so long. They they don't hear other people speaking about it, so they feel they need to keep it, you know, inside and try and deal with it all themselves. So, yeah, it, it's important to talk about it, I feel. Absolutely. And you're not just talking about it. You're talking about it, like, very publicly online, very openly and honestly to tens of thousands of people. But I guess that means that you're helping tens of thousands of people. Yes. I didn't initially start out with the aim of, Speaking to tens of thousands of people, I just wanted to keep myself accountable after paying off all of my debt and just share some tips. I never thought my account would grow to this size. And sometimes it it hits me in the face and I think, oh, my goodness, all these people are listening. 
but I get such encouraging messages and, you know, people saying that I've helped them and I am helping them. So that keeps me going. Yeah, definitely. That's really lovely. Um, So you paid off something like £21,000 worth of debt in eight months. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It sounds insane and it sounds impossible, but we did it. Um, We were in debt for so long, for so many years. And I, I thought we'd always be in debt, to be honest. And it just got to the point where I just felt so guilty with the kids. I couldn't do anything with them. Anything that we did had to go on a credit card because there was no money in the bank to take them, you know, just to play groups on holidays, things like that. And the guilt, the guilt really got to me. And it came to a head one day. I went to get some petrol, put five pounds in the car, hoped and prayed that my card wouldn't be declined, went into pay and it was declined because I didn't have five pounds in my account. I got back into the car, I drove around the corner and I cried my eyes out for about five minutes, just cried my eyes out. And from that point on, it was kind of sink or swim. I I thought something has to change or I'm just going to have a mental breakdown. It's such an impossible way to live. And yeah, I went home and faced it all head on. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. But I added everything up, which I'd avoided before. I I didn't even want to look at how much we owed. In my head, we owed five grand, six grand maybe. I added it all up and it came to 21 grand. And it, it was a huge shock, an enormous shock. But instead of feeling sad and, you know, I can't do this, I just thought this is where all our money is going. It's going on all of this debt. And once that debt is gone, we'll have a thousand pounds each month left over to spend on other things and to save. It won't all be going towards debt. So I felt really hopeful. That big figure gave me hope. Um, I don't think my husband felt the same way when I told him when he came home from work. I think he wanted to throw up. I said to him, you know, we can do this. We were working, you know, we're ambitious. We can get rid of this debt. And we did. We we made our plan and we we paid it all off in eight months. That's extraordinary. And the fact that you didn't know how much debt you were in, I think there must be a lot of people in the same position. I think the majority of people don't have any real idea of how much they owe because it's so easy to just take out another credit card you see something you want, the money's not there in the bank, you just pop it on credit. It's so easy to get credit, you know, hardly any checks. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I, I found that I used to spend a lot out of my emotions. If I was trying to avoid a feeling, I would spend money. And it wouldn't feel so bad if I spent it on the kids. You know, I felt like I was doing a good thing. I was buying them clothes. I was, you know, taking them wherever we, you know, a day out somewhere. You know, if I was bored, I would spend. If there was a problem with me and my ex-husband, I would spend. And then it got to the point where I needed to use credit to to cover my necessities. You know, I couldn't afford bills because there was no money to pay the bills. It's a downward spiral and it's, it's difficult to get out of. It's difficult to even face, you know, especially if you're keeping it to yourself. You've got no one to bounce your ideas off or, you know, vent. Yeah, I think that you a lot of the posts that you do online sort of compare your mindset from before you confronted your debt 
So when you were still racking up debt and your mindset now, and it's a really stark contrast, isn't it? Like I remember seeing one about buying cars on finance versus now buying a car you can afford. But like, you know, I think buying a car on finance is something that we all think of as completely normal. We don't think of that as debt really, do we? No. And, you know, in some circumstances you have to, you don't have a choice. If you need a car for work or, you know, for day-to-day living and you don't have thousands of pounds in the bank, Yes, you'll probably need to borrow the money, but we did the most ridiculous thing. We come back from Blue Water, a shopping mall, which we shouldn't have been in because we had no money, but we enjoyed a nice, you know, Starbucks and had a little wander around, drove back home past the Audi garage and said, you know, will we just pop in and have a look? No intention to buy a car. We had a perfectly fine car that was working. Went in, you know, half an hour later, we'd dropped 24 grand on a car financed fully financed leaving us with about 60 quid a month for essentials like food and stuff like that and you know we got home and I thought what on earth have we done what did we just do how were we even allowed to do that and thankfully I was able to get out of that contract because if if I had if they hadn't allowed us to leave that contract we we would have been in such big trouble but you know you just you see these things, you want them, and you see other people have them, and you think, why shouldn't I have them? Why I want that. Why can't I have it? But now, you know, I would not ever put a car on finance again if I could help it. And if I had to use finance, I would do it for a reasonable car, something that gets me from A to B. I don't need anything flashy. I don't want anything flashy. It's not – I've changed my wants now there's I don't have many wants and I want to feel secure and having some money in the bank helps me feel secure and that's more precious than any any material thing I can think of really I think once you've been in that place where you're worried that you're not going to be able to meet your mortgage payment once you've been there you don't you'll do anything you can to not go back to that because it's such a horrible place to be so you mentioned just now sort of that the first and sometimes the hardest step to getting out of debt is acknowledging it and talking about it. And that's something that I know that lots of people find it really difficult to do, but you didn't just do that and talk about it with your partner. You didn't just talk about it with friends. You talked about it online, (laughs) publicly on the internet. So for people who are carrying this on their own at the moment and haven't been able to talk to anyone, even one person close to them, what advice would you give them? I would say start by joining a Facebook group, joining the Instagram community, the finance community, because people there are anonymous. They're probably going through the same thing. So what they're saying will resonate with you. And it's easier to speak to somebody who's not close to you when it's something like this. That's how I felt to begin with. You know, I could speak to Thomas fine, but talking to my friends about it and my family, I had to leave that until a bit further down the line, I surrounded myself with people in the same situation. So initially I joined a Facebook group. It was a Dave Ramsey Facebook group and I don't really follow him anymore. I don't agree with a lot of his principles, but that group really helped me in the beginning when I was struggling because you do, you do struggle when you're paying off debt, you do struggle. It's not, you're not always focused. You're not always motivated and you need people around you going through the same thing to kind of give you a boost and keep you going. So my advice would be to join some kind of online group with like-minded people. 
or you know an account like mine there's lots of finance creators online on instagram fantastic girls who are always happy to give advice a lot of them have been through it before they will know how you're feeling and you'll you'll find that just speaking out will you know just communicating with someone about it will take a lot of pressure off i think that's true of so many things like i love a facebook group if there's something going on in my life that I'm struggling with that's taking up a lot of my brain space that I'm not sure how to communicate about my the first thing that I do is go and find community because I know that there are people who've been through that before and that's definitely something that you're giving people just by sharing your stories and experiences online isn't it and it must be you know I guess you're doing for other people what that what that Facebook group did for you yeah absolutely that's that's my aim now the thought of all of these people feeling the way I did, isolated and lonely and, you know, there's so much guilt attached to that as well, especially if you're a mum. I, I don't think there's any worse feeling than feeling like you've let your children down because you can't give them the experiences that other children are having and, you know, you can't take them to places that other children are going because you've made, you know, sometimes stupid financial decisions, which of course you're going to make because nobody tells you how to manage your money you're never told there's no lessons at school and if you don't have money savvy parents how do you learn you know so I think it's important not to blame yourself it's easier said than done but it's so important not to blame yourself I think and that guilt how did you manage that guilt is it something you still struggle with Well, initially, I managed that guilt by spending to avoid those feelings. But now, you know, what? I don't think you ever get rid of guilt. I think it's built into us females. You know, I feel guilty for everything. But I do I do try to take time to tell myself I'm doing okay. The kids love me. They know why I did what I did. I don't know. I, I think some of us will always struggle with guilt. You just you just have to do the best you can, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've done an extraordinary job of moving through it and processing things. Um, and it must be a really positive thing for your children, not just the sort of being on top of your personal finance, but also like being able to communicate about it openly and, and be sort of honest about what you were experiencing emotionally as well as practically. Yeah, and I hope I hope they take that away. I hope they realise that it's so much better to speak about a problem, any problem, not just, you know, financial related, rather than keep it inside. I hope they've seen that, you know, our lives have improved by being more open and not hiding away, not hiding problems away. When was that that you paid off your debt, those eight months? It, it was about four years ago, I think. So we started in the March and by November we had finished. We'd paid it all off and I'll always remember our first debt-free Christmas. It There wasn't much. We didn't have much money left over because we'd just paid off all our debt. But it was one of the best Christmases because we had we didn't have that big black cloud hanging over us. And, you know, we could have borrowed money to buy presents for that year, but there was there was no way either of us were going to do that. We were just satisfied with, you know, being able to relax that Christmas. And have you heard of the giving tree? No. Well, we went to Blue Water again and there's this giving tree where you pick a name off a tree 
of a it's all children on a tree that don't have parents they're orphans and you can pick one of those children and buy a gift for them and that's kind of how we celebrated we let the children pick one tag each and we went off and bought for that child and you know things like that that you can't do when you're up to your eyeballs in debt so yeah that was a nice kind of way to to start off our debt-free life it's really interesting that you talk about Christmas which is there's so much pressure at Christmas yeah. like to especially when you've got a family like you have to like provide the most amazing Christmas experience but also with social media like the pressure to Too buy much. and yeah it's absolutely massive like matching family Christmas pajamas or um you know decorating every room in your house these things are really expensive and it does feel like a lot of the pressure comes from like being online and in that sense it's kind of growing so yeah you, so you've got the good side of social media for things like this where you can try and help educate people and yeah you've got that side of it and then you've you've got the other side the peer pressure and you know the the bullying really oh you're you can't afford these trainers blah 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 there, there's a huge amount of pressure and I think you, you do have to kind of be quite strong and say look no this is our budget we are not going over budget and you have you have to put value on things that matter. Like when we were selling things to pay off our debt, I just remember thinking, why have we got all this stuff that we don't need, we don't want? And it's really added to our misery because we're still paying for it. We don't use it. We're still paying for it. We don't use it. And, you know, I was selling all this stuff thinking, never again am I going to attach meaning to material things. And I, I tell the children that now as much as I can, you know, if they... If they ask for things, my, my two are quite good. They they don't often ask for stuff. And I think it's because they've seen where we've been. But I, I do feel for parents because, you know, kids talk. They see what their friends are getting for Christmas. They have a list. And, you know, if Santa's bringing the presents, then money's not really discussed, is it? Because it's Santa Claus. And if Santa doesn't bring that present, why is he bringing that present to another child and not to me? It's just, it's got out of hand. It really has. So now what I do, I've, I've, I save a little bit every month for Christmas and I don't go over that. That's what I spend. And that's for everything, for days out, you know, experiences, presents, food. And I think it's a lot easier if you save up throughout the course of the year rather than just come December, need to find all this money. And you can't, you can't find, a, there's never a huge chunk of money just lying around. And that's how you end up borrowing money for Christmas, you know. So it's definitely best to save throughout the year. So those eight months leading up to that first debt-free Christmas, for people who are looking at what you're describing and thinking like, yes, I want to be debt-free, but oh my God, the process of getting there seems so daunting. What were those eight months like for you? I don't know if we did it in the right way. I became obsessed with it, totally obsessed. It took over my life. I just wanted that debt gone. So we worked seven days a week, and I worked in the evenings as well for those eight months. I did not have a day off and it nearly killed me. But I could see the debt reducing and that's what motivated me, it kept me going. And then, you know, the groups I immersed myself into gave me momentum as well. Yeah, it's never going to be easy all the way through. You just you you just need to have your goal in sight, break down your goals so that, you know, it's not a, a big thing what, what I did 21,000 pounds is a huge amount of money so I broke it down into thousand pound chunks I had a little 
chart on my fridge, a little visual chart. Every time we paid off a thousand pounds, I'd color in a block. And I just worked my bum off to get each block paid off. And, you know, I say to people, once you've achieved one small goal, treat yourself, go and do something you like to do so that you're not thinking, oh, this is dragging on forever and ever. I I feel like looking back, I feel a little bit guilty because I was quite selfish in all of it. I don't think I considered my husband's feelings too much or the children's. I just I just could see us being happy with no debt and I would do anything to get there. So everything got sold. All the kids groups stopped. I I feel terrible saying it now, but um, it's just what I needed to do to get us to a happy place because we weren't ha- we weren't truly happy. Thomas and I weren't sleeping. I wasn't eating. The the thought of the debt, like day to day living, you you kind of put it to the back of your mind and pretend it's not there. But then when you're in bed at night and you've got no input. All you're thinking about is this debt and what on earth is going to happen? Are we going to lose the house? How am I going to pay the gas bill? It wears you down. And I just thought, I don't want to live this life anymore. So I was obsessed. I was so focused in getting rid of that debt. And it wasn't easy. I'm sure it wasn't easy for the children to to stop doing the things they love. And if I was to go back and do it again, I probably would have, I'd probably try and slow down a little bit. You know, eight months is insane working seven days a week for eight months aged me 40 years I'm not gonna lie but um it 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 was the way it was I can't change it so no and I mean as you say like that first Christmas it, it all became worth it absolutely I think it was one of the happiest Christmases we'd had and the one with the least amount of gifts because we couldn't afford it and we weren't going to borrow to buy gifts but it was the happiest and I think the kids knew by our mood, by our demeanour, that, you know, we were more carefree. It was lovely. So since you paid that debt off a few years ago, what is life like now? And what's your spending like now? So now I track everything. I write everything down. I, I've got a tracker and I type I type it into my phone so I don't forget and then transfer it to the my budget sheet when I get home. Um, if I want something which I I rarely want things. It's more holidays and experiences, building memories, things like that. But if I want something like that, I'll save for it. I will never borrow to go on holiday again. I'll never borrow to get a pair of trainers. If I want things like that, I'll save. I'll add it into my budget and do it that way. And I think nine times out of 10, if there's something I want, if I if I leave it a little bit, I, I actually don't want it. I've just been caught up in all that hype you know again it's very hard to drag yourself out of that you you see other people with this stuff and you think oh that's that's nice I want it it's nice being able to go to bed now and not worry that I'm going to be homeless because I can't afford you know to pay my bills it's it's being debt free is indescribable debt shouldn't be the norm and it is the norm unfortunately for so many people Hi guys, it's me Jess, just dropping in to tell you about my book, Worried Whippet, A Book of Bravery. It's a beautiful hardback gift book that inspires you to take a cue from one anxious little dog, muster up your courage and step out into the world with hope. 
The drawings are gorgeous and it makes a great gift for adults, children, dog lovers, anyone struggling with anxiety. Plus, it's only $10.99, which is frankly a steal. One lovely person just bought 25 and got all their Christmas gifts done at once. You can get it from Amazon, Waterstones, or my favorite, your local independent bookshop. You're listening to Brave Little Podcast with me, Jess Bolton. So if somebody's listening to this and they're in the position that you were in and they're wondering how on earth they're looking at this quantity of debt, they don't know what it is and they don't know where to start. What's the advice that you give people in that situation? So I started by gathering all of my statements, all of my credit card statements, added everything up and it's hard. You you might need a, a whiskey, but you need to sit down, get get your online banking up on your phone go through everything, your outgoings, you know, every single thing that is coming out of your bank account on a monthly basis, write it all down along with your debts, everything that comes out and then your income on the other side and take away your outgoings from your income. Is there a positive figure or is it a negative figure? If it's positive, that's fantastic. If it's negative, you kind of have some work to do. You're either going to have to cut things out of your budget. And I had to do that. I cut out so many unnecessary things. I had a mobile phone contract that I was paying for a phone that I didn't have anymore. So that went, I negotiated a lot of my bills down. If you, if you call the provider, sometimes they will let you negotiate your price down. Renewals don't just accept your you know, your car insurance through the post. Don't just auto renew. There's so many websites online that you can, you put in your details and they chuck you back with the um, the cheapest deal. And I think if, if you're really struggling, if your outgoings are so much more than what you've got coming in, I think there's a few good people online to speak to. There are some amazing charities. I spoke to Christians Against Poverty and you don't need to be Catholic, Christian, whatever. You can phone them. It's open to anybody. And they gave me some really good advice. There's Citizens Advice. There is, there's a great website called Entitled To. And you can put in all of your details there. And that will tell you if you're entitled to any kind of benefits, any help that you're not receiving that you might be entitled to. But I've, I think a lot of people will find if they sit down and go through their spending, they see there's a lot of unnecessary spends in there. And once you cut out those, it frees up a lot of money that you can then use to put towards your debt. And I I was paying the minimum of all of my credit cards, the absolute minimum. Once I started increasing that, you, you can actually see the debt going down quite quickly. So I would say to anyone, if you're just paying the minimum payments every month and you can afford to increase that, definitely do so because you'll save so much in interest over the years as well. I think what you're saying rings so true for me. I learned recently last year that I've got ADHD. Me too. Have you? <laughs> me too. Recently, to yeah, a few months ah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> it really impacts the way that you spend, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. You you spend for that dopamine hit, don't you? It gives you a real buzz. You need that excitement. Yeah. And on the flip side, you really struggle to stay on top of, or I do, my personal finances. So I'm, I'm much better at it now than I was a couple of years ago. 
But like, you know, every time I look and do a review of what's going out of my account, I'm paying twice for the same thing. I'm paying for stuff that's redundant that I don't use anymore. I've got stuff that I forgot about. I don't even know what it is. Even now, sometimes I'll find that I've um, forgotten to cancel a subscription that I took out. You know, I I signed up to a good deal and I I think, right, I need to cancel that in three months time. It completely slips my mind. The ADHD. I'm blaming it on the ADHD. (laughs) Blame everything on the ADHD. The burnt dinner last night. Um, That's why it's important to go through your budget on a regular basis because things do change. And, you know, your budget is never going to be the same each month. There's different things that come up each month that you need to factor in more money for. Or, you know, you might have a bit more money left over that month and you can figure out whether you're going to transfer it to savings or pay off a bit more debt on whichever credit card or loan. So yeah, it's not, it's never just, you know, the same every month. And are there kind of tools that people use or that you can like recommend that can help people prioritize and then work through things sort of systematically? I created my own spreadsheet because I never actually found anything that worked well for me. So I created my own spreadsheet and I think if you've got something that's automated and easy, like if you can input your figures and that's all you need to do, and then it will chuck back how much you've got left over at the end of the month, that's always going to be so much more attractive than you know having piles of paper around you and starting again from scratch each month. I think it's just trial and error. You need to try each thing and see what fits you best because then you're more likely to stick with it there's so many different apps that you can download on your phone there's so many different templates you can use some people prefer pen and paper I did for a long time and and that's fine if that's what suits you carry on using it there's no there's no right or wrong as long just as long as you're doing it each month and you know constantly checking over to make sure you're not overspending in one area and my biggest tip is just to write down your daily spends because they can add up without you even knowing. I I could spend money without knowing. If I didn't write it down, I, I would forget I'd spent that money. And then you're left at the end of the month thinking, where did where did that hundred pounds go? You know, where there's a hundred pounds missing. Where did it go? If you've got it all written down, then you can see any any problems cropping up. That makes total sense to me as somebody who would also spend something and then immediately forget (laughs) about it it's a game changer it really is tracking all your expenses and it doesn't occur to you I never thought to do that when I was in debt no I wouldn't have any paper long enough to track all my spends when I was in debt I was a nightmare you know the the more I was in debt the more I spent just to forget that I was in debt and now now there's no debt I kind of I'm the other way now I kind of try to hoard money I'm quite you know from one extreme to the other there's no happy middle ground <laughs> so now that you're out of debt what are your sort of financial goals and priorities what are you working towards so things have changed I recently split up with my husband so I think a lot of my spending was to mask that I was unhappy in my marriage fundamentally so yeah, our common goals are now gone and it's it's me on my own. Not, I have a partner now, but my goals are to ensure that I'm I'm going to be okay in my older years. You know, it's still scary. I've got savings, but it, it's scary to know that I'm kind of responsible for my own bills now and my own savings. 
So I try and put aside money each month for, I've got an ISA, so a stocks and shares ISA. I put money aside each month into that. So that can grow away in the background for my retirement. Yeah, it's something that I've started doing in the last two years is putting a little bit of money in a nutmeg account. And it's a really funny time to have started investing because obviously the economy has just gone down and down. So I've lost money rather than gaining it. But you you haven't lost it. You only lose it if you sell at a loss. So if you leave it, it will come back up. You just need to... You just need to not check exactly. it all the time. Tough it out. Yeah. Don't check it compulsively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what exactly. I'm tempted to do. It's a really different mentality from that like impulsive spending, impulsive, I don't know. Yeah, all of that kind of quick activity. But it's comforting to know that that's growing away in the background, isn't it? I'm so comforted to know that I've got that money there that I'm definitely not going to touch. And that will be there for me when I'm older and unable to work as yeah. much yeah definitely but I think a lot of people think that you need to be rich to invest um you absolutely don't at, at the minute I'm putting aside a hundred pounds a month it was a lot more when I was with my husband we had we had our business together we were able to put aside a lot more I'm a bit more conservative at the minute because I've got extra bills here so I, I need more for my day-to-day living so I've reduced how much I'm investing but my my aim is to build that back up again to to what it was before I think another thing that stops there are like there are lots of barriers to investing and there's a massive investment agenda gap in investment so women are much 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 less likely to invest their money and there's this perception that you need to really understand like the stock market to invest and actually that's not true like what you're describing sort of portfolio investments through an app that does it all for you is as easy as putting your money into a savings account but there seems to be this hurdle doesn't there for women especially I think a lot of women still rely on their partners financially and I think what splitting up with my husband has taught me is that you can't you can't be like that you need to understand where your money's going you need to be able to earn your own money it's so important for me to be independent I just want to be independent financially and I will be I'm I'm never going to rely on anybody for money and I think that's so important for women it gives you so many options if you've got your own money it does and one thing I read about is having an emergency fund is that something that you did when you first started saving yeah so when when we first tackled our debts, we saved a £1,000 emergency fund before we even touched the debt. And the idea behind that was if there's, once we started paying off our debts, if, there, if an emergency occurred, like the car needed repaired for work or something, having that £1,000 emergency fund would help us not to get further into debt. We wouldn't have to borrow to fix the car. So... We got that £1,000 together. We sold stuff from around the house. We put certain amount of our earnings into the emergency fund. And once that was there, then we threw ourselves into paying off the debt. Once the debt was gone, we then built up six months worth of emergency fund. And it's it's so important because emergencies do happen. They do. It's inevitable. Something will always come up. And it's normally vehicle related for me. Um <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, the house, the boiler will break, you you need new windows. 
And having the emergency fund will, will stop you having to borrow to pay for those things. It's a buffer, isn't it? It is, yeah. And you can keep it in a high interest account as well, an easy access high interest account. And you can be earning money on on those savings. So can we just talk a bit about your social media to end with? Because I've been following you on social media for longer than we've been chatting and have known each other. And I love your account and the content you produce. And I love the vulnerability Thank that you, you share with. Um, I think it's a really powerful thing that you're doing. How did that come about? So I started it to keep myself accountable because once once I'd paid off that debt, I was so wor- I knew I wouldn't take on more debt, but it was there in the back of my mind and I needed something to stop me doing that. And accountability is a, a great thing. You know, if people are watching you, you don't want to mess up. So I did it for that reason, but I also wanted to share some of the tips that I'd learned because you do things that you think other people know but they don't actually know simple things like tracking your expenses. You you think that's common knowledge, but it's actually not. A lot of people don't realize that that's a good thing to do. So I started just to share tips and things like that. And I, I didn't expect it to grow. It wasn't meant to be a business at all. That didn't enter my mind at all, but it, it grew. It got to 10,000 followers and I was like, Oh my goodness. Then brands started to approach and I thought I can actually help people and make money from this so yeah it just grew and grew and grew and I think what's helpful for people with me I'm unable to I've only got this I'm unable to put on a a happy smiley Instagram face if I'm not happy and smiley all of those people know I'm I cannot hide it I can't be someone that I'm not and a, a lot of people like that it makes them feel like you don't have to be perfect because I was saying to you the other day, you look online and it looks like everybody has got their life sorted. Everybody looks happy. Everybody looks sorted. They're having a fun time and it makes you feel like you're inadequate in some way. So yeah, it's just my aim to, to tell the truth about life. And, you know, it's not, even though I'm, I don't have debt anymore, it's not easy. I, I still worry about money. And that's because I'm a worrier as well. I can't help being a worrier. But it's not all a bed of roses for everybody. And people, I get messages every day saying, thank you for your post today. You know, it gave me the, the push I needed to do something about my finances and seeing you struggle speaking online because public speaking is so hard for me. This podcast was it kept me awake all night um they say that you know seeing me push myself to do something like this gives them the strength to do something they're scared of doing so yeah I'll always I'll always be myself online I love it I think you know as you say like I've been watching the public speaking thing because I know that you've been pushing yourself to do more on your stories and things and it's just so um I don't know. It's lovely to watch because you're really good at it. Like <laughs> I was telling my partner the other day that at school, when they called my name in the register, I couldn't answer. My friend had to say, yes, miss, she's here. I just could not speak publicly. And, you know, I was at university. I'd have to get drunk to do presentations. And, you know, here I am speaking to 60,000 people online. It's insane. It, I I don't even know how I ended up here. I'm so glad you did, though, because um, it's a really wonderful presence that you've got and a wonderful thing that you're doing for people. Thank you so much. It's comments like that that 
push me on, keep me going for sure. And Ruth, one last question before you go. Can you tell me about something brave that you've done in the last week, big or small? This coming on your podcast was <laughs> extremely brave of me. I hate public speaking. I struggle so much with it. So this was probably the bravest thing I've done. And how was it? It's fantastic. You've been great. And it's always the thought of doing it is always so much worse than actually doing it. So thank you so much for coming on, Ruth, and for chatting to me. Where can people find you? So I'm Money Savvy Mum UK on Instagram, and I've got a blog as well, www.moneysavvymumuk.com. That's great. And we'll put the link in the show notes so that anybody can find you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been great. You can find Ruth on Instagram by searching Money Savvy Mum. I'll put her handle in the show notes as well. She's got lots of great information and resources to help you manage your money better, whether or not you're in debt. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. I saw the first ones come in recently and I literally jumped for joy. They were lovely. Brave Little Podcast is a limited series. This is episode five of six and hearing your feedback will help us decide whether we can make more in the new year. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, listening and choosing to support us. You are the best. That's all for now, but I'll be back next week with another episode of Brave Little Podcast. 